Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. A staffing crisis is affecting home care agencies big and small, urban and rural. Industry leaders Joanne Cunningham and David Bayada Talk to me about how more Medicare rate cuts would worsen it. Joanne and David, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Joanne, you and I spoke back in May with Bill Dombey, president of the National Association for Home Care and Hospice. At the time, you both were very concerned about the proposed home health rule. Obviously, it's been released. There's been a lot of outrage and uproar about it. How much worse or better is this proposed rule than you imagined? I would say while we were bracing ourselves for a challenging proposed rule, there are some twists and turns in here that make this year's proposed rule, I would say, uniquely problematic and challenging. And if not changed, will have serious, dire consequences for the home health community. Mm -hmm. And are you speaking specifically about the permanent behavioral adjustment? Yeah, I'm speaking about a couple of things. One is that the permanent adjustment was recalculated and it actually increased. So in other words, the cut became even deeper than it was before. So that is very concerning front and center as an issue that affects everyone. But there's a couple of other dynamics in the proposed rule that amplify those cuts and they are adjustments to case mix and also the wage index. And those adjustments have a way of making the cuts even deeper in certain parts of the country with respect to certain kinds of patient care. Mm -hmm. David, you're the CEO of a major home care and hospice company. What was your initial reaction to the proposed rule and have your feelings changed in the week since it's been released? I'd start with disappointment and would follow with a deep sense of concern, mostly for consumers and for those that have chosen the profession to take care of consumers where they prefer to be at home. Ultimately, this is a proposed rule that threatens access to care at home because of its inability to adequately support the services that are needed through funding that keeps up with the wages necessary to attract labor to provide those services. So started with disappointment and quickly migrates to concern about access in particular. Mm -hmm. Joanne, you've used, and David and other providers have used really strong language to describe the rate cuts, saying that access is falling an alarming rate as a result of not only this reduction, but the others in years past. David, give me a sense of what this means for an agency like yours, how access for your clients has been affected or will be affected. Sure. You know, the service we provide, the businesses that we run to provide these services are actually quite simple, right? We hire nurses and aides and therapists And we take requests for new services from hospitals and physicians and other parts of the healthcare continuum. And when we are unable to adequately provide wages and benefits to hire those nurses, aides, and therapists, when the phone rings, we have to say, sorry, we don't have the people. And so in an environment where the number of Medicare beneficiaries that need the service is consistently growing and will continue to do so for decades ahead, the availability of services, the number of times or percentage of times that we answer the phone and say, I'm sorry, we're unable to provide this service is going up. In fact, in organizations like Bayada, 
and there's quite a bit of data that we provided in our comments to the proposed rule, over a third, in some cases over half of those phone calls are turned away because of inadequate availability of clinical workforce because we don't have the ability to pay wages and benefits to attract them. And so it's a pretty straightforward equation. The reimbursement for these services has to keep up with the inflation and wages. And when it doesn't, we have to answer the phone and say no. Mm-hmm. I want to just explore that a little bit more. So has the number of rejections of calls increased? Give me a sense of what's changed. Yeah, without question. And Joanne, you may have the data to share with more precision, but the trend over the last decade in particular is pretty stark. And we included it in our comment letter where, you know, certainly the inability to meet every single phone call's needs has always been difficult. But from the high 80s, in terms of the percentage of those that we say yes to, down into the 70s and the 60s, and even 50% of the calls where we're unable to say yes. And why cannot you say yes? Because we don't have enough nurses. And we don't have enough nurses because there's not adequate reimbursement to pay the nurses to do the work. Pretty straightforward. I should also mention that there's some really important second-order implications, right? Saying no reduces access. When you have to say no and you're unable to provide this service, then a senior, for example, who's leaving the hospital goes home without the benefit of a nurse or a therapist to help them remain safe and independent at home. They then may be at higher risk of going back to the hospital. They might face all kinds of additional clinical, social, environmental risk factors because of the inability for us to support them at home with the services, the critical services that we provide. This all then creates additional costs in the system. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle, right? The reduction in reimbursement leads to the inability to keep up with wage inflation, which leads to reduced access, which leads to increased costs through hospital readmission rates and other risk factors that emerge from the inability to access these services. Joanne, David has one of the larger agencies in the country. And if he's having consequences from these rate cuts, what the heck is happening to the majority of home care agencies that are, you know, kind of mom and pop type companies? Well, I would say that what we're hearing across the board, large, small, urban, rural sponsorships of different varieties, whether it's 100-year-old VNAs or larger companies that you would think could manage cuts like this. We're hearing the same story, and the story is a simple one, and it's demand is up. So you're seeing a lot of demand from the Medicare population to receive care in the home. Hospitals are looking to discharge patients as they always have quickly and safely. And a lot of times that means going home with care in the home. And so demand is high. And yet we're seeing a pretty quick response starting with the adoption of this new payment system, but really ramping up in 22 and 23, we're seeing higher than ever before denial rates for services. And I think David did a great job of kind of walking you through why those denials are there. They're there because home health companies and agencies, no matter if they're the 100-year-old VNA or the larger company, don't have the workforce that they need to provide the care to that patient in their transition home. Mm -hmm. So this was going on prior to the cut from 2023. Well, it really, really ramped up starting in 22 and 23. 
and even the data that we're seeing, and remember, this is data that's not our data. It's actually from a couple of different companies that we also put in our comment letter. One is WellSky, and they're a company that really tracks hospital discharges to see where the patients are going and what kind of services are they being recommended for and kind of what happens to them. And then another company that tracked the same thing, and, and their data shows the same story from two different perspectives. One is from the hospital in terms of number of patients being recommended to go home with home health. And then the other is from uh, an EMR company that works directly with home health agencies, and they're seeing it from the agency perspective of, gee, love to take these patients this is what we do. This is our mission. And we can't provide the care because we can't afford the staff clinicians that would deliver the care. And I think David walked through the labor issues driving this issue. And when you can't pay enough to a nurse and you are getting cut on the reimbursement side, that's a cycle that is really a race to the bottom for the patient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. just to, and just to really oversimplify this, right, as a reminder, home health care organizations have no assets, no buildings, no equipment. All we have is our people. And when you have to say to a nurse, unfortunately, we are unable to give you a wage increase this year because the government has decided to reduce reimbursement rather than increase it in a way that's commensurate with inflation that we are all experiencing in every part of our lives. It's pretty confusing because the nurse says, well, wait a second, everybody else is getting an increase. And my cost of living, groceries, rent, everything is going up in my life. So why wouldn't my wages go up? Well, it's because unfortunately the price for the services is going down, even though the price for everything else in my life is going up. Strangely, the price for home healthcare services is going down in the opposite direction of the wages that they are designed to support. And that just leads to the reduction in available people to provide the service and a reduction in the ability for seniors, frail and clinically acute seniors ability to access these critical services. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of understand the root causes of this, obviously Medicare reductions don't help, but is the pandemic kind of the, the wild card in all this? If that didn't happen, things might have been a little bit better or would we be kind of still looking at the same situation? I'm not a smart enough economist to trace wage inflation and inflation in general to the pandemic. So I'm not sure. I think we can certainly make an argument that there is a really critical and really positive shift in the way in which the healthcare system is viewing home-based care as a critical solution to help improve outcomes and reduce costs, right? No time in the history of humanity was everybody sitting at home looking at their TV like they were in the pandemic thinking, I just want to be safe and independent at home. And that's exactly what we provide. And so the pandemic was definitely an important inflection point in the way in which the system is thinking about home-based care to support its goals. So demand is going up, as Joanne precisely described, but it also arguably was part of a theme for inflation, which is creating increases in wage expectations for nurses. And when prices go down and wages go up, it creates major problems. And we have to say no when the phone rings. CMS, um, which issued the proposed rule, just got deluged with comments, more than 900. Most of them were probably <laughs> negative because of the cuts to Medicare. 
Joanne, what kind of weight does CMS place on these comments? To what extent will they change CMS's mind and be some kind of a game changer in your experience in the years that you've been doing this? Well, I think that any time that CMS receives comprehensive, thoughtful comments on a policy and makes recommendations, that's a good thing and that can have an impact on CMS's final rule that they will finalize. With that said, I think that while we're hopeful that CMS is taking a look at those comments, and I've read a lot of them, and there are very, very good data resourced points about what these cuts are already doing to the home health system. So real quantifiable evidence of the impact on patient care that many, many organizations outlined. So I hope CMS is taking a hard look at that. We've had many meetings with CMS, including some very recently after the comment period ended and made that point and emphasized to them that they need to take a real serious hard look at this policy because we're already seeing some very gloomy data points that are pointing a really sh shining light that, you know, it's red alert time, guys. And if you want to continue to see people being able to receive care in the home that improves their life, has wonderful data supporting the value and the outcomes that are the benefits of that care, you know, CMS needs to do something. And I hope they do. I'm always optimistic. Otherwise, I guess we wouldn't be doing this work. But I hope that CMS takes a real hard look at the comments and the data and the stories that are being told about access being compromised. I just want to echo optimism. You know, the folks at CMS and those that are thinking carefully about these policies and are really smart people. I believe and have experienced that they are genuinely and authentically interested in finding the right answer here for the benefit of Medicare beneficiaries. And I feel also optimistic because it's a pretty simple problem. You know, hospitals are really difficult places to operate. There's a lot of moving parts, real estate and all these complicated things. Ours is really pretty straightforward. We have people and we just need adequate funding to be able to pay wages to attract great clinicians to deliver service that's in dire need in the community. I have optimism that the work will produce clarity and a way to make that happen. I hate to then go to the negative again, but it's been said that more than 50% of freestanding home health agencies will go into the negative. That's according to NAC. Joanne, if something like this rule, proposed rule goes forward, is the death of the mom and pop home care agency inevitable? I would say the data that I've seen that data that NAC is showcasing and and we also highlighted some of those forecasts in our letter. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that we will see agencies' capacity severely affected. Now, I don't know if that means they go away or their capacity loss is so significant that they are not nearly meeting the demand that is needed in their communities. I think sometimes we say, oh, well, we only saw a loss of X percentage of the home health agencies in the country, and we think that's not so bad. But let's look at what capacity is there and what that loss is, because that speaks to the supply and demand. And like Dave said, if you can't meet the demand, those patients are going home. Picture my 90-year-old 
father living independently goes into the hospital for a very serious surgery and goes home without home health care. And what happens to that otherwise independent person who then doesn't have the services and the clinical support needed to transition to back being a healthy person? That person calls 911. That person ends up in the ED. They end up going to the doctor five times when they're home in the first six weeks. All of that has not just a cost to the person, it also has a cost to the system. And it's just not a smart way to ensure that that person transitions back into their life, which is the goal that we all want to see, including policymakers at CMS. Okay, David, final thought. I would say I'll I'll come back to your question about my reactions to the proposed rule as written. I think started with disappointment, but, uh, you know, moved quickly into grave concern for Medicare beneficiaries. This is a service that, as Joanne described, has clear empirical evidence of creating better outcomes at a lower cost for those that are in need of particularly chronic and post-hospital support. And I think that society has continue to increasingly become aware of how powerful and impactful these services can be in supporting the evolution of the healthcare continuum. And so to not adequately fund those and be very cognizant that 50% of people that need this service are no longer getting it because we haven't funded it properly is a cause for grave concern. And I'm hopeful and optimistic that facts will speak for themselves and that we'll find the right answer here. Okay, let's hope so. David Bayada, CEO of Bayada Home Healthcare, and Joanne Cunningham of the Partnership for Quality Home Healthcare. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.